right, Judges chapter number 15 tonight. I am going to try to be timely this evening. I know there's a lot of people sick. Uh, we have three kids at home that are sick, all of that. We're going to try to be out of here before 7 o'clock tonight. So uh, just if you'll bear with me as we preach, I want to recap a little bit of what we talked about last uh, Sunday and uh, kind of springboard into the message tonight, uh, the life of Samson here. We spoke last week uh, starting in uh, chapter 15 and talked about how um, after he had went back to uh, take his wife, uh, his father-in-law had already given her to uh, one of his uh, companions there or whatever, and Samson got mad. And if you remember, he went out and he uh, caught some foxes by the tail and set firebrands through and burned down all the cornfields and all of that stuff, and they got mad uh, at that. And the Philistines, we uh, kind of left off in around verse 9, talking about the time of that opposition. In verse 9, it said, Then the Philistines went up. And uh, that's usually what happens. The enemies of God, um, Satan himself, he, he'll do that whenever we uh, do anything for God or anything against him. He doesn't wait around. He comes after you. Uh, Satan's going to come, and he's going to come immediately. We talked about that, and then we talked about the technique that he brought. And uh, in, in that, we mentioned where he said that uh, the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah. He brings the fight to you. Uh, he comes to where you are. He brings it in the church. Uh, he does all kinds of things like that, and he tries to, uh, to get it uh, uh, things stirred up and all of that and cause doubt and all of those things. It says they spread themselves. That's kind of his technique. He, you know what he does is Satan likes to spread things out. And everywhere you turn, it seems like that opposition is there. And it makes it seem bigger than it really is. And so uh, we, we get nervous. We get scared because everywhere we look, there's opposition around us. And people saying we shouldn't preach hard or we shouldn't give this or we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have these kind of standards. We shouldn't. Uh, and it looks like the warfare is really big. And it said they spread themselves out. And then we talked about the turf of the opposition, how he did bring it to Judah. He came to where the people of, uh, of Judah were, and he stirred them up against Samson. And he tried to get the fight amongst his own people to fight against him. And that's what uh, usually happens uh, in our life. And uh, whenever Satan begins to work, he usually tries to get people inside of our church to come against us, people that we care about, people that are supposed to be on our side that fight against us and all of those things and uh, we need to understand that the fight is bigger than we are and that uh, it's more than about you and I it's about Satan trying to destroy the work of God and the kingdom of God and that's what he's trying to do and the Philistines represent the army uh, of the devil and uh, we need to be fighting against it and all of those things but we're going to really uh, jump into it tonight and uh chapter 15 starting in verse number 12 uh, we're basically going to start talking about uh, the humility of Samson is kind of what we'll talk about tonight uh, he gets a little humbled in this passage he, uh, he for the first time he begins to act a little bit wise and we're going to look at this here a little bit in uh, Judges chapter 15 starting in verse number 12 it said and they said unto him we are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. 
And when they had come to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his hands loosed from, uh, and the bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, uh, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone uh, out of his hand and called the place Ramathia. And he was sore thirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Now I want you to see what he said there. He said, Thou hast given the great deliverance. This is the first time that we find in Samson's life that he's given credit to God. He's given credit to God. He's given it where credit is due. And uh, I want to preach to you tonight on the humility of Samson and just some things we can learn from it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bind Satan and the devils of hell from this place. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we go through your word tonight. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you please to just uh, guide my mouth and my heart this evening. Lord, I want to be your vessel that's used tonight. I pray that you'll create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here tonight that's struggling, Lord, I pray that you will uh, help them, Lord, to uh, just trust you as we talked about this morning. Instead of testing you, may we trust you and give you all the glory and honor in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. In this area that we're at in Judges 15, we find Samson in a very vulnerable position. Not only is he struggling against the enemies of God, the Philistines, now he's struggling against his countrymen, Judah. And Judah comes up before him because the Philistines stir them up and they, he, they, they come to him and they say, listen, aren't we servants to the Philistines? First off, they made a big mistake in saying that because they weren't supposed to be a servant to the Philistines. They were supposed to be a servant to God. But here they are. They're content to be in bondage in this, uh, under the enemies of God. And they come to one who is supposed to be their, uh, the judge there that's going to help judge them and set them free from the rule of the Philistines. But here they come and they shackle Samson with new cords and they're bringing him down. But for the first time, we find Samson acting wisely instead of foolishly. In this, uh, his actions are very commendable in this. As we see him, he is living by faith and is very gentle with uh, his people that come to him. Uh, He doesn't say to them, well, I'm going to tear you apart like I'm going to tear the Philistines apart. No, he says, just do me a favor, promise me something. That you all aren't going to be the ones to kill me. Just promise me that you guys aren't the ones that are going to try to hurt me. He doesn't oppose being bound by his people. In fact, he willingly submits. And he avoids a bloody fight between his people and himself. He avoids uh, all of this. Now, what we need to make sure we're doing in our life is we need to make sure when uh, people attack us and understand who the enemy really is. And oftentimes we want to lash out and we want to make sure that we get the first blow. But you know what he was doing? He was actually acting very wisely. 
And he understood that in this time in his life, it wasn't going to do him any good. These are the people that needed delivering, not defeated. They didn't need to be defeated. These were the people of God. These were the people that need delivered from the enemy of God. And Samson understood that. See, had he lashed out against them and defeated them, he wouldn't have helped Judah at all. So what he was trying to do in this through the wisdom of the Lord upon Samson at this time was, he said, okay, I'm not going to fight against my own people. I understand where the enemy's coming from. I understand where the real battle is at. And being bound would now give him an advantage in attacking the Philistines after he broke the rope. See, they would have their guard down. When, when Samson came in this wisdom and he comes bound with these new cords to them, the Philistines probably put their swords away. They probably got, uh, oh, he's already bound. They did the work for us. Now all we have to do is take him and take care of him. And so he, by being bound, he had actually the advantage against the Philistines. The Philistines dropped their guard. They relaxed all these things. And the enemy kind of stepped back and said, okay, this isn't really a battle now. And so there was some wisdom in allowing this. And then in smiting the Philistines there without a conflict with his own people made it easier to gain his people's support. When he, uh, when he went against the Philistines, he fought against the Philistines, not his own people. His own people saw that, listen, he really did love them. He really did care about them. And so it began to give. And I'm setting the stage a little bit for what's happening here. Samson is uh, propelled into leadership for the next 20 years after this time. And the people begin to follow. Once this is taking place, Samson, now he doesn't always make the right decision. You know, Delilah comes after this. He ends up uh, again falling to that very same thing that got him in trouble in the first place. He didn't learn from his own mistakes there. And we'll get into that later on as we go through the book of Judges. But it made it easier for his people to follow him because he could have lashed out at them. He could have attacked them, but he didn't. He went to the enemy and fought against the enemy, not against those that were of his own tribe, his own people. Judah's betrayal of Samson reminds me of Judas's betrayal of Jesus. One of those ones that was there in the inner court with Jesus, that was at that table with Jesus. And Judas, you understand, is a Greek name for Judah when you find that. Now, I'm not saying our Judah's bad, because our Judah's not bad. He's a good guy. Um, and so, but Judah here in the Bible is what we're talking about. Uh, Judah was betraying their own people. Why? Because they would rather be under bondage to the world than under subjection to God. And how horrible is that, that we as believers in Christ, we act the same as Judah does. We'd rather be in bondage to the world than in uh, freedom to God to worship Him and follow Him and in subjection to the Lord. Why is it that we find the freedom in Christ as bondage in Christ when it's not? We think, well, it's so restricting being a believer in Christ. It's so restricting being a child of God. No, it isn't. It's freeing to be a child of God. The real bondage comes in the bondage of sin. But Judah was content to live in that. Samson, by grace, willingly suffered shame and reproach at the hand of his brother in order to deliver them. Isn't that an amazing picture? That he allowed his people to bring him to a low state so that he had the purpose of delivering them. Sounds a little bit like Jesus, doesn't it? What Jesus did for you and I. You understand that it wasn't the Romans that necessarily brought him to be crucified. It was his people that said, crucify him, crucify him. 
And then the Romans did it. You know what? They didn't want to do it themselves, but they wanted to bring him to be crucified. And that's what Judah did here. That's what Judah did. The Israelites were indicating that the only ruler in the land at this time was the Philistines. But they were highly mistaken. God was supposed to be the ruler. When the Jews delivered Christ to the Romans, we find in John chapter 19, verse 15, it said this, We have no king but Caesar. That's what they said. The Israelites, whose king was supposed to be God, they said, We have no king but Caesar in John 19. And they began to mock Jesus. And you know, as he was hanging on the cross, the sign above his head, and the king of the Jews. And they did it in a mocking statement, but they had no idea that they were spreading truth right there above them on the cross. The Israelites wouldn't kill Samson, but they were willing to let the Philistines do it. And the Jews wouldn't kill Jesus, but they were willing to let the Romans do it. They were willing to let the Romans execute the Lord. But in verse 14, I want to read that verse again in Judges 16. Or I'm sorry, Judges 15. Judges 15 and verse number 14, it says this. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mighty upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and the bands loosed from off his hands. See, God had given Samson a calm courage in this, a humble type courage. Samson wasn't gloating in his own strength and his own ability at this time. Samson was humble before the Lord. And God gave him a victory over the Philistines. Samson attacks after the Spirit of the Lord empowers him. And what a lesson that you and I can learn in this. If we're ever going to go to battle against the devil, we need to do it under the power of the Spirit of God. That's what Samson did. Samson at this time comes down bound and humbled now. And now the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And that's a great phrase in this passage because once the Spirit of the Lord came, it says mightily upon him, the cords upon his arms became his flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loose from off his hands. Now this was not Samson's strength that did this. This was the Spirit of God's strength that did this. It's also another lesson to see that whatever man tries to bind us with, the Holy Spirit's big enough to set us free, isn't it? What a blessing that is. There's a great truth that's seen here. The loosing of, the spirit, uh, of Samson when the Spirit came upon him is, talks about the freedom and the liberty that we get in the Holy Spirit from the Spirit of God in our life that looses us from the bondage of sin and death. I'm glad the day I got saved no longer was I bound by sin. But the fact of the matter is at that time I was set free. But guess what? Sin could still have a hold on me if I walked in the flesh and not in the Spirit. Sin can still bind me in an area where uh, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, then I'm susceptible to the enemy. And see, had Samson tried to do things in his own strength, I believe there would have been a different kind of outcome in this. But he comes humbly now, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and gives him a great, great victory. 
And the Spirit of God not only frees him, but energizes him and strengthens him to win this battle. And that's what the Spirit of God does for us. That's why it's important for us to be in church and be in the Word of God and all of those things. Because he will uh, free us and energize us and empower us for the service and the the spiritual battles that we're going to face. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it said, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now let me explain something to you about liberty. Liberty in the Christian life is not freedom to live life the way you want to live life. That's not what liberty is all about. Liberty is freedom from the bondage of sin, not having to walk in the unrighteousness of this world, but freedom to follow after Christ and walk in Him. That's what liberty is all about. That's why the, the Bible says, where the Apostle Paul says, let's not use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. You know what? We're not supposed to let our liberty in Christ be uh, in bondage of this world. That doesn't make sense. Liberty is not freedom to live the way we want to live it. If you live life toward the flesh, you're not in liberty, you're in bondage. You're not in liberty, you're in bondage. So the Holy Spirit of God brings liberty in our life. We're not bound by the pains of death anymore. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 talks about that. And when you read Romans 6, it talks about how we've been made from the, free from the bondage of sin and death in Romans 6. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can have freedom from that bondage of this world and sin and death through the Holy Spirit. In verse 15 through 17 of this passage, let's read it. And when he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made... And end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called the place Ramathia. When Samson was freed from his bonds, he didn't stand around and do nothing. When he was freed from his bonds, he didn't run back into hiding and into bondage. No, he used the freedom that he had to attack the enemy. He used the freedom of the bondage that he was in now to attack the enemy and do what God wanted him to do. We're supposed to do this same. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he tells us to put on uh, the whole armor of God and everything he talks about in that armor is a defensive type weapon. And then he gets to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God expects us not to just stand around and do nothing, but because of the freedom of the bondage of sin in our life, we ought to go on the offense and on the attack against Satan. That's what we ought to be doing. We ought to go on the attack and fight against the devil. Samson uses this jawbone of an ass to slay a thousand Philistines at Lehi, which means jawbone in and of itself. This jawbone came from the mouth of a donkey that rebuked this stubborn... You think about this jawbone. This was like the one that rebuked this stubborn animal that rebuked Balaam. Think about that. God uses something that's stubborn and all of this. What a picture he's showing here that he used the jawbone of a stubborn animal, right, of a donkey to fight against the Philistines. What he's showing is God can even use stubbornness if we submit humbly before him. 
God can use a a stubborn heart if we're willing just to submit it to God. When we allow that stubbornness, I believe it's a picture of what God was showing. Listen, even though you're stubborn, I can still do something with you if you'll just submit to me. God can use the lowly, just like we talked about this morning with Gideon. God can use all of that to see his work get accomplished. The things that God can use, he can use the weak things to confound us and and to make us mighty. I mean, you think of a jawbone, you think, wow, that's not a really big weapon that can be used. But because the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon him mightily, he was able to use this jawbone to defeat an enemy. Something that's weak was made to be able to be strong through the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, we need to understand that God can help us and use us to reach others for Christ even after our death. You say, what are you talking about? Right now, we're learning about Samson. We're learning about what Samson did and how God used him in this area to defeat an enemy. You know what? When you submit to the Lord, God can use your testimony for, for him, even after you're dead, to reach people for Christ. Isn't that a blessing? Because when we submit ourselves as weak vessels to God, God can still use us to do those things. And God can use, just like he used that dead donkey to defeat an enemy, he can use us to defeat Satan if we'll just die to self. See, not only in a physical death, but a spiritual death. Dying to self, God can use us when we die to self. See, he had to use something that was dead to itself to make the enemy get defeated. Did you understand that God didn't use a live donkey to do this? He didn't use a boastful Samson to do this. He used a humble Samson and a dead donkey to defeat an enemy. And if we will understand that we have to be dead to self. When the Apostle Paul said, I die daily, he was using a great illustration. That the only way God's going to use me is if I die to self. If I die to self. Your life has an impact on others. But what kind of impact is going to be the greatest impact is the kind of impact when we die to self. When we die to self. You understand in this, no one comes to Samson's aid. Nobody from Judah is found fighting with Samson. He's not coming to the battle and looking around behind him and having all his comrades coming behind him with their swords wheeled, ready to fight the enemy. The tribe of Judah totally deserted him. They brought him out to be killed. They deserted him. And let me explain to you, if you plan to serve the Lord, realize you may have to do it alone sometimes. If you're going to serve the Lord, sometimes it's going to feel like you're down and out, that you have no encouragement, no help with those around you. There's nobody there that's backing you up saying, hey, let's keep on going for God. You stand up and preach the whole counsel of God. Sometimes there's going to be people that criticize you and make fun of you, people that are in your camp that are supposed to be behind you doing what uh, they're, the same thing that you're doing, pressing towards that same goal. But they're going to be the mockers. They're going to be the criticizers. They're going to be the ones uh, coming after you. And then when the battle's raging and it's hot they're not going to be anywhere to be found it's going to be you fighting by yourself it seems but see though Samson was there physically in his own fighting against the enemy he wasn't alone he had the spirit of God with him there was a quote that I read it said this no one serves well who does not know how to serve alone 
No one serves well who does not know how to serve alone. Listen, when you're by yourself, are you serving in your Bible reading? When you're by yourself, are you the one praying? When you're by yourself, listen, when it really matters and you're all alone, are you still going to fight the battle? You're still going to fight the fight. Samson throws away this jawbone and names this place Ramathleah, which means Jawbones Hill, the place where God used something dead to defeat an enemy. I wonder if we would be willing to say, hey, Lord, I'll die spiritually. I'll die to self, kill that flesh so that the spirit can use me to win the battle for you. See, that's what Samson did. He's getting a little wise in this area. In this time, let's look at verse 18. And when he was sore thirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. Now we're going to stop there for a second. This, it was probably kind of hot outside. I don't know, but I would imagine it was hot and he had fought a battle. He was sweating. He was thirsty. He was fatigued. He was weak. He was weary. He nearly perished for lack of water. And in his moment of desperation, he does something very wise and very earnest. He seeks the Lord for help. Samson doesn't try again to rely now on his own abilities and his own strength. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm going to do this by myself or whatever. No, he says, Lord, I need you. I need your help. He wisely cast himself by faith to the Lord. God, there's no place for me to get a drink of water. God, there's nothing I can do to help revive myself right now. Samson in this time in his life is one of the finest hours that we see in his life. Because he's not doing it on his own strength and his own account. He's doing it with submission to the Lord. And I always wondered why Samson was in Hebrews 11. In this great hall of faith. Because in this part of his life. He did what was required of him. Did that mean the rest of his life he did the right thing? No, because we'll read later. He goes off with Delilah and all these kind of things that happen. And he loses his eyesight. And we'll get into all that later. But again, in his death, he takes out the enemy more than he did when he was alive. But as we go through this, I want you to understand he's coming by faith to the Lord. This situation, he demonstrates his faith and his gratefulness to God. And the Bible tells us to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Listen, God needs a humble vessel. Somebody that's willing to die to self and humble themselves to see a great battle won. Samson is seriously dehydrated in need of revival. The work that he had done, the weather that was around him had taken toll on him. Taken toll on his life. Without revival, without a reviving of his spirit and a refreshness of that water, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to perish. Lord, I need it. I need it. And as I thought about that, I thought about our Christian life. In our Christian life, it seems sometimes we're dried up. It seems sometimes that we're just weary, we're tired, 
the wickedness of the world and the weakness of our flesh kind of have us down and defeated. And we're in desperate need of revival. Some of us need revival because of weakness. There's some weaknesses in our life. But I believe there's some people that are actively exhausted in serving the Lord. And it's not because necessarily they're a weak Christian and they're doing what they can to serve God, but they're tired. They're fatigued in the work. And guess what? They need revival. They need revival. Revival is essential for us. Samson begins to reveal some of his weakness. Hey, I'm thirsty. But you know what? It wasn't until he got that water that he got revived. And there's times in our life that we're down and discouraged and defeated. It seems like we're all alone and God says, hey, I've got a drink for you. And he gives us the water of the word. And we can take the water of the word and we can get refreshed and revived and energy again to fight the battle and go forward. That's why he tells us uh, to get into the word of God and to meditate upon the word of God and all of those things. Why? Because this is our sustenance to carry forward and to go forward for God. He gets revived and the water comes and he's able to drink. And this humility that he shows was not characteristic of Samson, but uh, this isn't who he really was. Do we know he was very prideful? But now he's showing some humility. And God let him experience a great trial and great thirst in order to bring him to the place where he realized he could not be self-sufficient. He had to be relying on God. He had to rely on God. And there's times God does the same thing in our life. Paul taught this to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It said, Unless I should be exalted above measure, though the abundance of the revelation... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh that the messenger of Satan buffeted me lest I should be exalted above measure. Why did God do that to Paul? To keep him humble. To keep him humble. Samson honors the Lord. He says, thou hast given deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Hold on, who's this talking? (laughs) Samson says this, thou hast given deliverance. He gives credit to the Lord. He calls himself this, thy servant. You know what he said? Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. He said, Lord, I'm your servant. Shows that humility that Samson had in his life. He honors the Lord in that. And Samson's gratefulness to the Lord is this rare occasion that we see in his life, this gratitude that is expressed uh, in this passage. And Judges is a book, if you think about it, about a time of selfishness where every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes and then they were in bondage. They cried unto the Lord. The Lord brought them out and then as soon as they were fine, they went back to it. That's kind of the pattern of Judges. But God's showing through Samson in this that there's a gratefulness that Samson had because when he saw himself as he really was, he understood where he had to give the credit to. And see, if we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, we're going to give credit to ourselves and rather to God. When all the work that's done in the church and for the cause of Christ is not because of me and it's not because of you, it's because of the Holy Ghost in us. That's where the power comes from. And we need to keep ourselves humble in that. And they were grateful in these areas. He was, he was grateful in this. Verse 19, let's read it, verse 19 and 20. But God clave a hollow place 
that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof Enahakor, which is in Levi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. I want you to see what it said there in this passage. It says, And God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And look what it says. And when he had drunk, you know what happened? God had the water there. He had to choose to drink it. God gave him what he needed. He cried out to the Lord. God gave it to him. He chose to drink it. And then he was revived. So what happens in our life? The word of God is what we need to go through in our life to get that refreshing and that reviving in our life. And it's there. It's available. God's already given. He's hollowed it out on the pages of this book. But we have to drink it. We have to drink it. Understand, this is not a deep theological message tonight. Very simple. We've got to humble ourselves before the Lord. If we're going to walk in His strength and His power, we can't do it in pride. We've got to do it in humility. And when we're weary and we're tired in the fight, we're weary in the journey and tired in the way, He gives us some water to revive us and to refresh us. And we need to be grateful for it. Psalm 119, 107 says, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Quicken means made alive. You know what he said there? The psalmist is saying, I'm afflicted very much. Make me alive, O Lord, according to thy word. Revive me through thy word. When true revival comes is when we're humble before the Lord. We die to self. We go to the water of the word for refreshing. And we see God uses things that are dead to win great battles for him. That's the message tonight. The humility of Samson. I wonder, will we humble ourselves before the Lord tonight? And say, God, I've been looking more of myself than I have to you. See, Samson said, thou hast delivered thy servant. Thou hast delivered thy servant. You know what he said was, God, this is all because of you, not because of me. And Samson has a milestone in his life right here. A chain of events that turned things around for a brief moment in Samson's life was he experienced what true revival is all about. Listen, we have a revival meeting coming up a week from today. But you know, we don't have to wait till a revival meeting to be revived in the things of God. When we're tired, we're weary, seems like we've been picked up and slammed against the ground. We're all alone, sometimes it seems. What do we do? We either go to God and get refreshed, or we run from Him and we die. But we die the wrong kind of death. See, God wants us to die daily and kill the flesh so that the Spirit can reign. Most of the time what we do is we kill the Spirit that's in our life and we walk in the flesh. We do opposite of what God expects us to do. God wants us to kill the flesh, put that behind so that the Spirit can have preeminence. You know what? We can see revival happen in Martinsburg, West Virginia if the group of people just in this room tonight just decide to not walk in bondage, to let the Holy Spirit set us free and be revived by the water 
of the word. With our heads bowed.